In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So just before his ascension to the right hand of the Father, Jesus, we're told, opens up the minds of the apostles to understand the scriptures. He then gives them a very brief sermon, a sermon that itself will open up the whole Bible to them. And so he preaches this last sermon to them. And it goes like this. Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Indeed, the Bible tells us Christ has died, Christ has risen, and what Christ tells us here is that it becomes necessary that the effects, the good news of his death and resurrection, are to be proclaimed to the whole world. But notice how Jesus phrases this. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in my name to all nations. In grammar, that's called the passive voice. It means the subject of the sentence is being acted on. Repentance and forgiveness is to be proclaimed. And we often use this kind of grammatical, grammatical construction when we want to make our authority clear. For example, we might say to our children, your room will be cleaned before you go to a friend's house, right? or your homework is to be done, that lawn is to be mowed. Because phrasing it like that takes any choice out of the matter away. And so what is to be done is laid right out for you to do. This isn't soft kind of parenting, please clean your room before you go to a friend's house. This is, that room is to be cleaned or else. And you hear the difference. And children, of course, hear that difference too. Because if you leave any room for them to say, I didn't know that you meant it had to be cleaned today, then they're going to seize that opportunity and not clean their room. And so that's exactly what Jesus sets forth for the apostles. He doesn't give them options. In his authority as the risen Lord, he tells them what to do. He doesn't give them wiggle room to decide how they're going to spend their lives. It's established for them. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins in my name is to be proclaimed. Right? There's no go back to Galilee and save up some money before you embark on this preaching, go take a gap year, uh, go into social work, go into political advocacy, go to college for a degree, whatever, for the apostles. Jesus lays it out for them. This is the way it's going to be. The forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed. In the creeds, we say that we believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Well, this is what we mean. The church is the Catholic and apostolic church when it continues in doing the very thing that Jesus has set out for the apostles. That is, preaching the forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ. That's the apostolic witness of the church. And so just as the apostles were set out to do this thing, so we, even now, are set out to do the same thing. The church is a lot of things to a lot of people, for some denominations, the church is primarily seen through the lens of organization. For example, the Catholic Church believes that the church is apostolic, but for them, that means it's connected to the apostles through the structure of its bishops and through the Pope. And as Lutherans, we're okay with bishops. There's nothing wrong with bishops. 
There's not even anything wrong with having a highest bishop you can call the pope. But we're very clear that that's not what makes the church the church. And so instead, we go back to Jesus' words here. What makes the church the church is that the repentance and forgiveness of sins are being proclaimed in the name of Christ. For others, the church is primarily about community, an opportunity to be social, to worship together, to find encouragement in one another, and so on. And all of those are great benefits of the church, but they don't make the church because it's the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins that makes the church the church. And for others, the church becomes an opportunity to do good, to help others, to advocate for justice. And again, those are all great things that the church can be doing. But the fundamental thing that makes us the church is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. And so we keep this in mind because the truth is we all want to make church, the church, into the image of whatever we believe to be the most important. We'll want our congregation, our synod, our denomination, the whole church Catholic everywhere to be a reflection of what we think is important. But in that, we have to be careful to avoid making idols in the church. Because Christ has said, we have one primary job to do. We have one primary message to get out into the world. And our mission, the opportunities we have in this world, are focused really on that one message. And if we don't have that message to bring to the world, then we're not really being the church. Jesus says that we are witnesses to the most important news in the world. It's the news we call the gospel. And it's through proclaiming this good news that we become the city on a hill. This is how we let our light shine in the world, how we become the salt of the earth, because we get the joyous task of telling people that in the name of Jesus Christ, their sins are forgiven. To be part of the church is to get to share in that news. We all know this. We know the church is not formed around music, around architecture, around flowers, around anything external. It's not focused on service projects. But the church instead is a creature of the word of the gospel. Several months ago, I was outside one morning when it was still dark in the winter. And I looked up and I unexpectedly saw Elon Musk's SpaceX satellite train called Starlink. I don't know if you've seen it, but I was taken a little aback when I saw it by its brightness, by its size, how it traveled across the sky. If you haven't seen it, there's really nothing quite like it in the night sky. But I read just recently that SpaceX is receiving all kinds of criticism because this, the satellites in the chain are causing light pollution. And so astronomers and those who watch the sky aren't happy that the satellites are obscuring their views and so on. And so Musk and SpaceX are now working on solutions to make the satellites practically invisible in the night sky, trying to dim the light that's reflected off them and so on. And so whether that's a legitimate concern or not, I don't know, I'm not an astronomer, but we see that SpaceX is giving in to external pressures to make their satellites less visible, to make their lights not shine. And in the same way, there will always be pressure on the church to make the light of the gospel less visible. There are pressures to make the church a political party at prayer. 
Our own denomination falls into this trap too much for my liking. We often hear from our churchwide on controversial political topics of the day, but we so very little hear about repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ. There will always be pressures on us to make the church to be a place of entertainment, a place relevant for young and diverse populations, a place that functions as a social group, a place for character building, or whatever is fanciful in today's trends. But we always have to go back to the word that Jesus has given us before his ascension. And that is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. And as we read that commission that Jesus gives his apostles and gives to us, it should be no surprise that when Jesus did ascend, the apostles went back to Jerusalem, and Luke tells us they went with great joy, and they went constantly blessing God in the temple. Because what they understood was that the commission that Jesus gave them was a great one. It's a source of joy. They get to spend their lives telling people that Christ has been crucified for them, that Christ is risen for them, and now their sins are forgiven. They get to tell people that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. They didn't have to stress about strategies to work out to attract the world. They didn't have to have all the answers. They didn't have to have their philosophies completely laid out. But Christ freed them up to joyfully preach to the world the forgiveness of sins. And Christ, who is now almighty at the right hand of the Father, is about the business of forgiving sinners. Because he's at the right hand of God, there's no power in creation greater than Christ. And so that's where all of us fit into the story of the Great Commission, of Christ's ascension, because we fit into this very apostolic message. The message of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church is for you. Because in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And we know this is true and we can confess it and hold on to it because Christ has ascended as the Lord Almighty over everything. Christ is the Lord over you. He is the Lord over your sins, over your temptations, over everything in this world. Christ has subjected it under his feet. And so now as part of the church, you have that great opportunity to live in the freedom of that. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it worked out. You don't have to know everything. All you have to do is receive this message that you are forgiven. And if Christ, the Lord of all, is for you, who can stand against you? And so embrace what it means to be a witness to that truth. Take that joy, take that news into your homes, to your workplace, to your many endeavors. As Christ says, you are witnesses of the gospel primarily because you are ones who have received the gospel, because you have received the forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ. Amen.